and appreciate you being here despite the heat. You can open your Bibles to Mark chapter 8. There are hotter places you could be. And I don't mean just India <laughs> or the Northern Cape or Richards Bay. There are hotter places you could be. Praise God, it's good to be saved tonight. Amen. Isn't it good to be saved on a Thursday night, be in church? I've spent Thursday nights in a lot worse places than church. Good to be saved and be here tonight. Mark chapter 8, verse 22. Tonight, I don't have a lesson for you. I have a sermon. Mark chapter 8, verse 22. And we'll read a few verses, have a word of prayer. And then I'd like to talk to you about men as trees for a few, minute, few minutes tonight before we pray. Mark 8, verse 22. The Bible says, And he cometh to Bethsaida, and they bring a blind man unto him, and besought him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand, and led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes, he put his hands upon him, and, and, and put his hands upon him. He asked him if he saw aught. And he looked up and said, I see men as trees walking. After that, he put his hands again upon his eyes and made him look up. And he was restored and saw every man clearly. I want to talk to you tonight about men as trees. Let's bow our heads. Let's pray. Father, thank you tonight for letting us be here. Thank you, Lord, for the salvation you made available in your Son. Thank you, Father, for the day that you sent somebody to us to touch our eyes. Lord, thank you for the sight you've given us, this spiritual insight, and I pray you'd help us tonight to see clearly. Father, let us leave tonight not having any speck, any moat in our eye, but to see clearly men as they really are. We ask for your help and your blessing on, the, on this sermon tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. On occasion, the Bible uses this comparison to drive home a certain point. The Bible will use trees as an analogy to talk about human beings. This is not uncommon. You see it in many places. A couple of times you'll be familiar with John the Baptist when talking to that wicked an adulterous and evil generation, the Sadducees and the Pharisees that represented that generation, he said, now also the axe is laid unto the root of the trees. And, and the reason it talks about the root of the trees, the Pharisees and, a, and the Sadducees were responsible for that nation being established in the wrong things. They didn't know the Bible, they knew tradition. They didn't know the God of heaven, they knew religion. And John, as any good preacher ought to, he pointed that preacher finger at him and he said, you guys, God is going to chop you down. God is going to take you down. Now, there are times when trees are likened to men and it drives home a negative point. But then sometimes you can be like a tree and that's a good thing. In Psalm chapter 1, verse number 2, it talks about how we should meditate in the law of the Lord, day and night. Not a suggestion, it's a command. Meditate in the law of the Lord, day and night. We are commanded to be people of the book, to have our nose and our heart buried deep in this Bible. If you bury your heart deep in this Bible, the next verse says, and he shall be like a tree 
planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. You bury your heart deep in the Bible, God will bury you deep in the ground next to a spring of cool water, rivers of water, and the fruit will come because you're obeying this book. You're spending time in this book. So as we think about men as trees, there are many lessons that come from that. And depending on the context, there's a negative or a positive lesson that emerges. Tonight, we're looking at something completely different. You can see that Jesus has touched this man, what many would consider a disgrace. He spit on his eyes. And he put his hands upon him. don't, Don't you want to have the Savior's hand on you? Don't you remember the day he first got a hold of you? And it probably didn't feel so nice when it was happening. You were probably under a lot of conviction, felt a lot of shame, like somebody was spitting on your eyes. But it's there to help you. That's the way you get those eyes opened. And Jesus puts his hand on him, and we learn something very unique here. In verse 24, he looked up and said, I see men as trees walking, and then Jesus has to touch him again. Now listen, you can only get saved one time. There's there's only one time that you call upon the name of the Lord. He saves you, and once He does, you're in His body, and nothing can separate you from the love of God. But that doesn't mean, just because you're saved tonight does not mean that God doesn't need to put His hand on you. And God doesn't need to open your eyes up even more. Perhaps there's some things that you're not seeing clearly. On day three, God made the trees. On day six, God made man. Say, why point that out? God doesn't do all of His work in one day. God is not going to save you and then walk away and say, Aha, job's done. Being confident of this very thing, that He which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. And you need to keep coming back, not to get re-saved and re-saved. You don't need some ecstatic, strange experience with the Holy Spirit that is never mentioned in the Bible. You do, however, need to humbly say, Lord, I don't see clearly what's going on in front of me. Perhaps you need to touch me again. Perhaps I need to spend more time with you. And you can open my eyes so that I see what you see. Men are not trees. Men are not trees. But this guy said, I see men as trees walking. Have you ever heard this? I'm not quite sure what you'd call this. It's not really a parable. It's not a riddle. This question. If a tree falls in the forest and no one is around to hear it, does it make a sound? That question was first posed, most people say, by a man named George Berkeley in 1710. And he was speaking about the perception of our senses. His point was, if you do not perceive it happening, it doesn't happen. Now, many people have weighed in on this conundrum. If the tree falls in a forest and no one is around to hear it, it doesn't make a sound. By 1883, another gentleman put forth some sort of a definitive answer, and he said the answer is no. It does not make a sound. His reasoning is this, the way sound waves work, right, something disturbs the air around, it creates the wave, but that sound wave then has to 
energize or initiate movement in a receptor of sorts, which is your eardrum. And if there are no eardrums around to receive those sound waves, then no sound is actually perceived. Perhaps there are sound waves moving because there's nothing there to receive the sound waves. The, the process of making a sound is not complete. That was that man's thinking. All right, let's talk about that for a moment. And, and I don't want to spend our lesson trying to unravel that little riddle. But just because no human ear is there to perceive it, let's be clear, somebody's ear is always open. Somebody's eye is always watching. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. His ear is not heavy that he cannot hear, the Bible says. If a tree falls and no man is around to hear it, does it make a sound? Well, if the answer to this conundrum is there must be an ear to receive the sound, there's always an ear listening. And therefore, that tree is making a sound. Let's take it a step further. If men are as trees, then when that soul drops off into hell, can you hear the screams of the damned? Jesus said there is weeping, wailing, and gnashing of teeth. That doesn't take place on this earth. Not the kind he was talking about. He said that in hell fire they lift up their eyes. And they cry out in torment. He said that in that awful place there's a worm that doesn't die. And a fire that is not quenched. And there's weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. No man has ever perceived that and then come back to tell us about it except Jesus. And the God who created that place, who by the way, did not create it for any human being. Jesus said in a prophetical sense, Matthew 25, to them on the left hand, they will hear, depart from me ye cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. You have no business being there. No human has any business being there. But when a soul tragically falls out of this life and drops off into hell in that next life, you may not perceive it. But that doesn't mean it's not happening. You may not see it. You may not hear it. But that person's there. Weeping, wailing, and gnashing of teeth. You understand if I can... And, and I don't mean to oversimplify this. What we have in the Bible, this is God's observation of reality. This is God's observation of it. So God can observe, He's observing the future before it gets here. It's God's observation. He can see the spiritual realm. He can see the roaring lion walketh, walking about, seeking whom He may devour. And don't think that He's afraid that He won't come in this church. The devil is not hanging around at the bars tonight. You understand that? You, you know why? They're already devoured. The devil walks around seeking for a righteous man to devour. He's trying to knock you out of the faith. And at the very least, friend, he's trying to shut your mouth. 
He's trying to get you to see men only as trees. Not to see them clearly for what they are. The devil would love nothing more than to make you think that what you see in this person's body is all there is to him. And friend, what you're looking at tonight is not the real me. You're looking at a temporary shell of me. The real me is on the inside of this. The real me is inside. The real me is going to be somewhere forever, heaven or hell. This man, he saw men as trees. I was driving back today from Johannesburg on the N12, and I'm sure many of you have made this trip before. How many trees are on either side of the N12, the north and the south side? Anybody have a number on that? How many trees are there? As I kept driving, I would notice there's a tree, there's a tree, then my mind would wander off into some other thought, and then I would pick it up again and go, oh, there's a tree and there's a tree. Do you know how many trees we pass by and never even realize that they're there? We don't even know we're passing them by because why? It's just a tree. What do I care about the tree? It's not my tree. It's not in my yard. It has nothing to do with me. It's just a tree. So we don't care. Men are not trees. We have no business zipping through life not appreciating how precious that human soul is that is passing by our way. God help us not to see men as trees just walking about. God help us tonight. May He put His hand upon us and open our eyes fully so that we see clearly the worth of an eternal soul. How much is a soul worth? It's worth the blood of the Son of God. It's worth God coming down in human form and living a sinless life for 33 years, putting up with the likes of us, and then having sinful men nail Him to a cross and carry all of our sins. Can you imagine going through all that trouble? That's how much we're worth. He showed us how much we're worth by dying on a tree to show us we're not just trees. Men are not just trees. If that's what you think, and if you just pass them by without a second thought as to where that soul might be one day in eternity without ever making an effort to reach that person with the gospel, if that never crosses your mind, friend, you need another touch. You don't see men clearly. You're missing something. Perhaps you think that the people around you don't need you to speak up with the gospel. I think you underestimate just how sinful sin is. How desperate the situation is for a lost person. They are lost and undone without God and His Son. There is none righteous, no, not one. There's none that doeth good. There's none that seeks after God. Their mouth is an open sepulcher. There's no fear of God before their eyes. The Bible says these people are absolutely hopeless. And they are because we don't care. It's just another tree. We pass them all day, every day. Chances are you have a few in your yard. If you're like me, I don't even know how many. All around us, close to us. What does it mean to us? We cannot treat men 
as trees. We have to see the greater value. I remember several years ago in Bible school, I remember clearly God grabbing a hold of my heart and saying, Mike, it's time for you to work hard during the day and go to school all night. I had a full schedule. I worked. I got out of bed at 3 a.m. I did my devotions till 5 a.m. I went to work until 2, 4 sometimes. I came home, ate quickly, showered, went to school from 6 to 10 for three years. And God would from time to time grab a hold of my heart and say, I didn't send you to Bible school just to sit in a classroom and hide in an office. There are still people dying and going to hell all around you. There are people wandering about, people in your workplace, people on the, on the job site, on the construction site. They don't know God and they're just waiting for somebody to see them for what they really are. A sinner in need of hearing the gospel. That's what they are. That's how God sees them. That's why He sent us. He said, as my Father sent me, even so send I you. What did the Father send the Son to do? Well, this is an easy question to answer. Jesus made it clear. The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. We are supposed to look for lost people, not look past them, but to look for them. There were times that God would get a hold of my heart as I walked out the door in the morning, he said, don't forget your tracks. I'd go to work with my lunch in one hand and my tracks in the other. Because I never know, even on that job site, who I might be able to hand a gospel track to. Our first daughter was born in our first year of school. Our first and only son was born in our third year of school. It was a tight schedule. And as much as I wanted to be around them, as, as often as I could, from time to time, God would grip a hold of my heart and say, run out there and find somebody. And there were times I'd get in my car at 11 p.m. and drive down to a petrol station or to a grocery store because in America, many times those are open 24 hours a day. And like some creepy guy, I'd hang out in the car park waiting for some unsuspecting sinner to be coming out to his car with bags full of groceries, not knowing I'm not going to stick him up. <laughs> I'm going to hand him a gospel track and scare the fire out of him in the process <laughs> and say, sir, God put it on my heart to come to this car park to find somebody that needed to hear the gospel. Are you saved? You know, it's good sometimes to do that just to remind yourself of how important it is. I'm not suggesting that you be foolish and put yourself in a harmful, dangerous situation for no good reason. But I am telling you, the Holy Spirit, I'm sure, would move on your heart and tell you to go give the gospel to somebody else if you would be willing. Don't tell me that He doesn't move on your heart to do that. If you're saved, you'll never convince me that the Bible's wrong. If the Bible's right, the Holy Spirit moves like that. This nonsense of the Holy Spirit moved me, what, to fall on the floor and hop it up, hop it up, hop it up? Come on, man. Nobody getting saved from that. Say, preacher, how do you know? Because Jesus said so. 
John chapter 16, when he, the comforter, has come, he will reprove the world of sin, of righteousness, and judgment, of sin because they believe not on me, of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more, of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. When he's come, he'll lead you into all truth. He'll glorify me and he'll tell you of it. That's the work of the Holy Spirit is to go reach a lost world with the gospel and tell them why they need Christ. But you'll never do that if you do not see the great need of men. They need the gospel. They need you to tell them. If you just see men as trees, you'll go right past them and think, that's none of my business. It is. It is. Say, why'd you go out at 11 o'clock looking for lost souls? Because men aren't trees. They're lost souls. And they're precious to God. One day, working at McDonald's, I was a manager there for about a year and a half in Bible school. I had tracks in my cubbyhole. I didn't have an office. had a cubbyhole. We had a new hire. Her name was Tammy. And I could tell she was brokenhearted. I waited at least two months before I brought the subject up. But I asked her when she was looking sad one day, I said, can I pray for you? And I didn't make a show of it, nothing awkward. I just said, let's just tell me what's on your heart. I'll pray for you at home. This business of making a big show at the workplace, come on, man. Uh, that's, you're doing that to be seen of men. I prayed for her for a few weeks, and then I followed up again. How are things going now? Say, said, why'd you do it? I want her to know that I genuinely care about her. She's not just another trophy that I can show everybody. Look, I preach the gospel to her. I, I care about her. She's not a tree. And one day after I came back and asked her that, she said, can I talk to you a bit? I said, sure. We went back into the storeroom in the back where they keep all the products and stuff. It was a quiet spot, not completely private, but quiet. Her boyfriend was in prison. They had a kid. She didn't know how they were going to survive, how they were going to make it. She was the only income working at McDonald's. She said, Pastor, my life, or Pastor, she said, Mike, my life is just a mess. And I said, Tammy, you know, Jesus specializes in messes. There's never a mess too big he can't clean it up. If you'll come to him with all your sin, he'll come to you with all of his grace, mercy, love, and wash away those sins in the blood of Christ and get you set on the right path and walk with you every step of the way. She broke down in tears. She said, she said Mike, I would love to have that. I showed her from the Bible, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I said, Tammy, would you like to ask Jesus Christ to save you? And before she even answered, she had bowed her head and closed her eyes and was calling upon the name of the Lord right there in that storage room. A smile broke out on her face and she said, this feels so good. I'm so glad I did this. Thank you for talking to me. The next Sunday she was at church. And the next Sunday she was at church. And the next Sunday she was at church. Then we went to the pastor, Brother Donovan, said, please, would you go visit her boyfriend in prison? He went to the prison, led that man to Christ. A few months later, he got out of prison, and there they're both sitting in church, and Tammy goes up, and she gets baptized. And a few months later, I can't remember the man's name, but he got baptized. Say, why? They're not trees. I know that, I, listen, I could just work my shift and go home, but they're not trees. I'm not just going to pass them by. You say, preacher, you don't know how busy I am. You don't know how busy I was. 
Let's stop hiding behind this stuff. I'm too busy to do something for the Lord. Find a way. I don't care if it's just five minutes. If it's just one track you get out. Do something. Find a way. Make time. You make time for diaper brides. Amen. Hey, you can just loosen up and just say amen right there. Don't look at me with a sour face. You make time in your schedule to go to diaper brides. Grown men go into, what do they call them? Dukabrai. Help yourself. I'm not condemning diaper brides. Bry all the diapers you want. Help yourself. But, but if you can make time in your schedule to go to Duke of Prize and bridal showers and birthday parties and everything else under the sun, how dare you one day stand before God and say, I didn't have time to go out soul winning. I didn't have time to go looking for a tree that was about to fall. Don't tell me you didn't have time. You did. You chose not to use it. You need to see clearly. See clearly. We used to have a gentleman in our church, Um France. This man was in his upper 70s, dying of cancer, struggling mightily, but he would go to the mall. He, he wasn't able to go out to the streets with us because he didn't have the physical strength. And if you remember him, he had cancer in his mouth. They had removed part of the bottom of his mouth, so he had to have part of his tongue sewn down, so he couldn't speak very clearly. Um France called me one day. He said, Pastor, I'm so sorry, I can't go to the streets with you. I would love to be a part of that evangelism. Is it okay if I go to the mall and do it? That man, I don't know how many of you knew it, but while we were out on the streets, in the CBD and in the built, that man would be at Riverwalk Mall or at Moirafir Mall, sitting on one of those benches with handfuls of tracks and a button. A little button he wore on his shirt or on his jacket every, every day. After he passed away, it was so sweet. Tony Thora brought that button to Amy. Said, Um France wanted you to have this. And there it sits on her dresser to this day. That pin said, Who I am in Jesus makes a difference. And he would sit there, and as people would go by, say, Don't you want to talk to me about this? You know how many people passed him by and thought there's just another old tree? He didn't see men as trees. He saw them as men. He saw them as ladies. He saw them as sinners that needed the gospel, that were worth the effort. Men aren't trees. Let's come to Revelation chapter 3 and finish there, please. Revelation 3. As I was preparing this lesson and, or sermon, whatever you'd call it, praying about it this afternoon, going over and over the notes. I was sitting at my desk and the Lord said, you know, here you are stuck in your office and all those people out there, they're, they're not going to show up in your office asking how to be saved. I mean, the odds on that are very unlikely. I said, Lord, you're right. He said, you know, there's some workers renovating that Bible school room. And I always think, you know, I, I make the excuse, they're, they're too busy. I need them to get that job done quick. So what, wouldn't you know it, I, I grab some tracks, I walk out my office door, and there's two of them sitting down on a box taking a break. The Lord said, there, I got them ready for you. <laughs> I went over to him and said, gentlemen, I'd like to give you something. I said, we just had Valentine's Day. Here's a love story. 
Hey, man, use anything. I mean, grab a hold of anything to get the gospel to somebody. We just had Valentine's Day. Here's a love story. This is the best love story you'll ever hear. Here, read that. And then I hand him this. I said, now, are you 100% sure you have eternal life? And one said, no. I said, thank you for being honest. The other guy said, yes, yes, I am. I said, good. What makes you so sure? Why are you 100% sure? He said, because I love my partner. He meant his wife. I love my partner, and I love people. And I said, what about God? He said, oh, yeah, him too. I said, do you ever sin? He said, yes. I said, when you're sinning, do you love God? He said, no. I said, so what about those sins? What about those times you didn't love God? I said, let me ask you, how much do you have to love God in order to go to heaven? He said, uh, a lot. That doesn't really specify it, does it? I said, do you think you've loved him enough? Ah, uh, maybe not. And all of a sudden, he's not 100% sure. Now, now, see, here's the thing. If you don't see that for him, he's not going to be able to see that. You have to see that clearly and then be able to explain to him. We took five minutes, went through the gospel. He didn't get saved, but he understood. Look, that, that took, what, five minutes? You can do that. You can do that. I don't care how old you are. I don't care what language you speak, what your job is. You can do that if you looked for it, if you prayed for it, if you didn't see men as trees. Revelation 3, verse 18, Jesus said, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be tried, or mayest be rich, I'm sorry, and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. Watch this last part, please. And anoint thine eyes with eye salve, that thou mayest see. Jesus said to this church, which represents the church of the last days, you guys have a sight problem. You're not seeing clearly. You need to get some eye salve. Put it on those eyes and see clearly. You know the best eye salve I've ever come across? Tears. Tears do a wonderful job of cleaning the eyes. And maybe, just maybe, you need to ask God tonight to reach down and grab a hold of your heart, squeeze, and if He squeezes hard enough, who knows, it might just break the heart, tear up the eye, cleanse it, and then you'll see men clearly. And you see your responsibility towards them.